A very good morning to you, I'm Anne Moussa. Security has been tightened in and around the High Court in Durban in South Africa's KwaZulu-Natal province, where supporters of former President Jacob Zuma have started together ahead of his court appearance this morning. Thousands of Zuma supporters are expected to hold a march and later gather outside court as Zuma finally gets his day in court. The former president is facing 16 counts of fraud, money laundering and racketeering. The charges emanate from the multi-million dollar arms deal in which Zuma is alleged to have received a bribe in order to influence the arms deal tender process. Police spokesperson Tembe Kambele. From 6 o'clock, they'll be walk. That will be from King Dinuzulu to the High Court. But also, as the police are working, it's a multidisciplinary force. We are working with a, a, a metro and RTI, and then there's a, a designated area that is close to the next, just opposite the High, the high Court. That will, is, will be, is meant for all the, march, the, the, the masses that will be there. And the police are ready for, for today. There's a maximum deployment of police from different units, uh, and they will be ready for. For, for, for the Political analyst Sipo CAP says South African opposition parties, particularly the Democratic Alliance, must be commended for pursuing the case against the former President Jacob Zuma. CAP explains. One must give credit to the opposition parties that continued, especially the Democratic Alliance, in pursuing the case, had played this role to make sure that the NPA acts in a manner that is consistent with the Constitution. It fails to give credit to the work that has been done by the opposition parties. The United Nations Security Council has condemned the latest attack on UN peacekeepers in Mali, in which two soldiers were killed and 10 others wounded by mortar fire on the camp. The attack, which occurred in the northeast of the country, is reported to have been launched from an area nearby where suspicious activity had been detected earlier. Sudanese authorities have leveled charges against a prominent opposition figure that could be punishable by death. The Nida al-Sudan alliance says the former premier and leader of the National Ummah Party, Sadiq al-Mahdi, is among several figures facing charges. The state-linked Sudanese media center published a statement earlier this week saying Sudan's security apparatus filed a complaint with government prosecutors accusing al-Mahdi of collaborating with armed rebel movements to overthrow the regime. And finally, the United Kingdom has questioned the purpose of the United Nations Security Council meeting called by Russia to discuss allegations that Moscow was responsible for a nerve agent attack on one of its former spies in Salisbury in the UK last month. The New York meeting comes a day after the Executive Council of the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons in The Hague voted to block Russian scientists from joining its independent investigation into the attack. Russia has indicated that the meeting will have a moment of truth and that those who spread lies about it would have a price to pay. UK Ambassador Karen Pierce was asked if they had established a motive for the alleged Russian attack. The Prime Minister made clear uh, in the House of Commons that there were a number of factors that led us to conclude that Russia was overwhelmingly uh, likely to have been responsible. Uh, One is the declaration by the Russians that ex-intelligence officers are, if you like, fair game uh, for assassination. 
One second is the fact that we know the Russians have been making uh, such military-grade uh, nerve agents, uh, and we have other information uh, that I'm not able to disclose uh, that leads us to the conclusions that this was uh, a Russian state attack. I think I'd also like to draw attention to the fact that immediately after the attack, uh, we did go to the Russians and invite them to work with us uh, to try and resolve what had happened if they believed that a rogue element of the Russian state uh, had been responsible. Uh, they rejected that opportunity, so I think we can draw our own Recapping the top story, security tightened as supporters of former South African President Jacob Zuma gather ahead of his court appearance. The United Nations Security Council condemns the latest attack on UN peacekeepers in Mali and Sudanese authorities level charges that could be punishable by death against a prominent opposition figure. And that's the news. Headlines at 8.30 Central African Time. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. always determined by the political situation of the time. I led a day-to-day existence which was determined by the security guards of the day. I was in and out of prison almost every month, if not every week. And the consequence of that was the children were always left alone. Those were perhaps the cruelest moments which have left an indelible mark in my heart. Mother of the nation See her love light shine Loyalists of former South Africa's President Jacob Zuma, who attended last night's vigil at Durban's Albert Park, say their unwavering support for his cause was aimed at defending his gains during his nine-year reign as president. They say these include radical transformation and the expropriation of land without compensation. They say they now fear that the current leadership would not aggressively implement such key economic transformations that they believe Zuma was championing. Amongst prominent leaders attending the night vigil were MKMVA spokesperson Carl Niehaus, Black First Land First leader Andlim Kritama and Edward Zuma and some religious leaders. Vusi Kumalo reports. Sasko students from the Deben University of Technology marched to the Albert Park singing pro-Zuma songs. The night's vigil was organized by religious and business leaders under the banner of radical economic transformation champions that included ordinary people in support of Zuma ahead of his Deben High Court appearance. Zuma is facing 16 charges of corruption, racketeering and money laundering. 
this relates to the controversial arms deal. Participants at the Nats Vigil, Sbusi Soshashan and Kulego Manunana, say their show of support for Zuma is about defending his gains during his time in the highest office in the land. Zuma, whom we've already shown support long before he became the president, and we're still doing the same thing after he his presidency. There is nothing that has changed. We believe that, that they, it is still the very same charges that were there before. It's still the very same charges that, that he is going to face today or tomorrow. So our support is genuine. It does not need to for us to have reasons. Zuma's son, Edward, was also part of the night's vigil. He's been victimized and uh, there is a witch hunt which is hell-bent in tarnishing his image which has, which has, been, it has lasted for decades and decades and clearly it's not going to end very soon because you know uh, he's a champion of radical economic transformation, land expropriation without compensation. People who, who do not want to see and see that happen clearly took a decision that he had to leave office. One of the leaders from the National Interfaith Group of South Africa, Bishop Vus Dube, says they expect the marchers to toe the line, display a high level of discipline and obey their leaders. Dube has reiterated that marchers must not wear ANC party regalia. He is a member of the ANC in good standing, so he needs support of his own organization. And that is why we are going to be supporting him as, uh, as members of the ANC. Besides that, as members of the clergy, because we have a, a social obligation, we have a, an ethical obligation to support him. So we are saying all members of the ANC I believe they have to attend and we are emphasizing, yes, they must not wear the ANC regalia as they have been instructed. BLF leader Andile Mgritama also weighed in on the charges against Zuma, saying they are concorded. Why is the report that says President Zuma uh, is guilty by the same company has not been recalled? We as BLF are very clear. These charges are nothing but a political attack against President Zuma because he has come out and given us direction. All of us as black people in this country are on radical economic transformation. It is not only President Zuma who's been persecuted. President Lula of Brazil, who just like President Zuma stands for the oppressed and excluded, he's been thrown into jail. Police have advised motorists to avoid routes close to the Deben High Court's precinct. The former president's supporters are set to march to the Deben High Court area. Metro Police will be on hand to assist motorists and divert traffic if necessary. I'm Vusi Kumalo in Deben. It is 8.11 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. Now for more on this issue as uh, former South Africa's President Jacob Zuma returns to court today to prove his innocence against allegations of corruption 13 years after his first court appearance. We are now joined on the line by political analyst Sanusha Naidu from the Institute for Global Dialogue. Sanusha, thank you so much for joining us and good morning. Good morning to you and thank you for the invitation. Sanusha, 13 years on, former President Jacob Zuma, his day in court has arrived at last. He has called for a number of years for himself to prove, to, to get his day in court. And it's here, it's today. Your take on this. 
Yeah, I think it's been a very tumultuous road um, in terms of where we are today and, pres- and former President Zuma getting to court and, and, of course, the whole, this will be a very ceremonial hearing in a sense, the first day, I think, setting the whole time, time frame and, 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 and context and, and particularly the charges that are being laid down, that will be, be more, much more embedded. But 13 years later, and I think the challenge is more around the fact that we've seen in your insert and we've heard in your insert that there's different interpretations, mixed reaction rather, to uh, former President Zuma being charged um, and now coming to court and to be having the, uh, the first day of, of, of his hearing start. I think for, President, for former President Zuma, it's really around the, uh, the issue, as you said, to prove or dis- uh, to, to disprove rather that these allegations on these criminal charges are nothing more than what he would claim as uh, allegations, and they are not necessarily the, uh, uh, charges that he feels that will stick. But he, he needs to actually, he and his team need to prove that in a court of law. So up until this point, they still charges. They're not being decided upon. They still remain as allegations that need to be proved in a substantive way beyond reasonable doubt. Uh, I think in terms of the general public, um, et cetera, I think there's also a sense that, you know, there's this expectation in the general public that that that, that what we saw under President Zuma's uh, uh, terms in office and what we now see as what has been the key, a key driver in how the political landscape played itself out uh, post um to 2007 Polakwane, and of course the dropping of the charges and so forth. I think for for for, for commentators, political analysts, and for the general media, those that are either are on either side, this is now going back to that period. And and I think to a large extent, it was always about whether or not the charges that were dropped in 2009 by then National Prosecuting Authority head were they dropped on the basis that there was no substantive substantive evidence. But now we see that, this, that there is definitely witnesses that have been uh, put together, witness list that has been put together by Sean Abrams and his team. And, of course, we see that they're reinstating at least uh, uh, about 16 of those charges. Um, now, so Sanusha, just, just to come in there, yeah. reinstating 16 of, of those charges. Now, there's been confusion where um, people have always uh, thought that the the figure of 783 um, yeah. has been the number of charges, yet mm-hmm. it's actually financial transactions involving mm-hmm. former President Zuma. Just take us through that and explain how the 16 charges came to being. Okay, the 16 charges are based on the uh, 16 to 18 charges of which I think, and I stand corrected on this one, is the 16 charges that link to money laundering and other such financial transgressions from a legal perspective. The 783 so-called incidences of financial transgressions actually fall under those 16 broad charges. And I think that's the confusion with regard to what is now being labeled the spy tape, because it's it's in that context which the DA had gone to court last year asking for those spy tapes to be, firstly, to be made... Uh, available 
for them to, to, to access it. And secondly, to be able to say, well, you know, in the, in the context of, these, of, of what is being said in this, in this, on these recordings, we now believe that there is definitely something there that needs to go back to court to see whether the dropping of these 16 charges or eight, uh, 16 to 18 charges that were a part of this whole process in terms of the legal framework, was it, was it, was it something that was lawfully done or unlawfully done? And this is where the High Court came in last year and said, after assessing, they believed that there, was, uh, there wasn't a reason, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know the actual wording of the judgment, but the imp- indication they gave was that there wasn't a reason to drop the charges. So this has now been reinstating those charges, under which you have 783 incidences of where the whole question of the financial um, issues have come into play that President, that former President Zuma had essentially been part of or played a role in, etc. And these 16 to 18 charges, in particular the 16, extend across a wide variety of issues from, I think it, it, it goes to the money laundering to uh, um, uh, illicit transaction flows to questions of... Um, uh, 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 contracts and so forth. So there's an influencing and, and taking money in terms of the question of bribes and so forth. So it's quite a broad set of charges, which I think today what we hear in court is the prosec- prosecution laying it out in a much more clear and coherent way for, for, for the judge. And then, of course, uh, going forward in terms of what, what they do in their argument, how they set the argument up, and then, of course, the defense uh, responding to that and presenting their argument in response to the prosecution. Now, Sanusha, let's speak about the number of um, witnesses who are going to be testifying in the prosecution's mm-hmm. case. It's over a hundred people, if I'm not if I'm if I'm not mistaken, and the, those people include uh, people like uh, Patricia Delil, um, uh, the mayor of Cape Town. Now, mm-hmm. Shabir Sheikh is not on that list. Mm-hmm. Any reasons? Well. <laughs> yeah. I don't know the actual reason, and I don't want to speculate on the reason. But I think you're right. I think the point about the number of people that have now been compiled as witnesses to this whole, to the case itself, is quite intriguing. Uh, because up until last year, when we saw a lot of procrastination in terms of whether this was going to happen, and I think at the time also Sean Abraham's own job was under fire uh, in terms of the, the, the Kassak case as well. Um, what we realized was that um, there were the, the, it, it was quite it was for me it was quite incredulous and in fact a little bit uh, wondering intriguing that you had all of these people that could have actually come out at any time and presented their case uh, and then of course the prosecution only managed to, to to have these names in a space of two to three weeks uh, I think it's more than hundred names I think at one point they were they were they were basically putting out a number around closer to 200 names. Now, when it comes to, to, to Shabir Sheikh, um, I'm not sure of the reason why he's not on the list, but it could very well be that it's part of a, a case that has already been heard or part of the, 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 the issue that has already been heard in a previous case. And this is where Shabir Sheikh um, went to, to, to jail in terms of what I think the judge at the time called in, uh, an essentially corrupt relationship between himself and the former president. So I think in that context, uh, whether or not that could be 
that could actually form part of this case. I'm not sure about the legal frameworks and framing of it, at least as well as to say that he did serve his time in jail and whether or not they've, they've, they've looked at that and said, well, does this then fall under this or is it an extension of that or do we include him as a witness? It could very well be that at some point later in the case, uh, I, it may be possible that the prosecution may reserve the right to still bring him into, into, their, into their witness list. And that, I think, is something that we will only be able to tell as the case progresses. Uh, people like uh, Patricia DeLille, I think, is also a very interesting character, uh, individual that's on the list as well, given her own uh, battle with the DA around her challenge of bringing the DA into disrepute. Bearing in mind that Ms. DeLille had played a critical role in exposing uh, issues around the arms uh, deal and corruption around the arms deal. Now, Sanusha, just uh, shifting focus a little and uh, moving to um, the African National Congress, which is uh, President, former President Jacob Zuma's uh, political party or political home, the impact of this trial, um, also bearing in mind the divisions in terms of support where um, the leadership has come out and said people must not wear ANC regalia when they go in support of mm-hmm. former President uh, Jacob Zuma at the courts and wherever else. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what does this mean? Will this impact on the ANC going forward? And if so, what sort of impact, negative or positive? Well, the situation in a case like this is very difficult to to actually say with any sense, to say that the impact could be minimal. I think the impact is going to be very intense. It's going to have very, very particular implications for the party in going forward. Um, as much as you can try and uh, uh, implore people not to use any or wear any kind of ANC regalia or have any kind of ANC regalia on display. I think at the end of the day, it is a reputational and brand risk for the party. Um, even though pres- uh, 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 former President Zuma has stepped down and, and, of course, now you have this whole legal battle unfolding in front of us around charges that were dropped previously, I think it's going to have an impact on the party, positive or negative. I think in terms of positive, there may be those in the party that see or those outside of the party as well, in terms of people that are on the, on the outskirts of the party or that are not party members, may actually see this as a step in terms of the party re, recreating and re, re, renewing itself in many ways, uh, going in a, in, a, in a way in which you see the party and the leadership of the party trying to ensure that they are dealing with these levels of corruption and, and, and questions of um, malfeasance within the party in terms of how they're letting the legal process and the legal con- uh, the legal uh, uh, structures of the, of, the, of the country deal with it from a legal perspective. Um, and so this could be a positive spin-off for the party in terms of its branding and image. But there, there is definitely going to be the internal dynamics and the internal contradictions and the challenges, like, in, like we heard in your input, you know, people who have spoken out and said um, they, they're there to support pre- uh, former President Zuma, but they also see the party uh, closing ranks around the president, uh, former president, uh, and why is he being singled out, and what about the fact that this is not about a legal process and it's not about accountability and transparency and, and questions of, 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 of um, 
financial transgressions. It's really about a political witch hunt against the former president. And this is definitely where some of those negativities can actually play and have a a spin-off on the party where the party becomes much more fragmented than before. We're going into an election uh, we're in a pre-election year, and we've got less than about 16 or 7 or 15 months before the national election is going to ha- be, ha- be, be held. And this could have very important and strategic impacts for the voter uh, credibility, the voter landscape for the ANC as a party. So will people come back to the ANC? Will people mo- remove themselves from the ANC? Will that create disjunctions and disintegration of, of its branch structures and its provincial structures because of the way in which that the complexity of this issue embeds itself, not just at the national level of the party, but it embeds itself in all structures that manifest around the party's organizational structure and space. Let's speak about uh, advocate Billy Downer, who's had some great successes uh, in the Western Cape, looking at, uh, I think it's a former Western Cape uh, police commissioner, um, uh, Lemur, who was found guilty, and this wa- his, he was prosecuted by advocate Billy Downer. The fact that they've mm-hmm. gotten somebody very senior with a very good track record, what does it? What, what what sort of message should we be looking at with regards to um, the NPA getting someone not from KZN but going outside the province to to get a senior counsel advocate uh, Billy Downer? Well, I would think that that's an important thing in terms of how strong your prosecution team is, um, and 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 more importantly, I think you've got to ensure that this is a very high profile case. Uh, involving a former head of state, um, and it's going to capture headlines across the world. It could also be, it's also a very important case from a legal perspective, because however the decision emerges, it sets a precedent for incoming presidents in terms of the kinds of issues and, and, and the legality questions that this case raises in terms of the, the relationship of the office of the president in the context of of the, of, of the Constitution and how that office needs to carry and execute its duties. So I think on the basis of that, the prosecution and the NPA would probably looked and said, we need to have a strong team. This is not an easy case to, to, to argue. You've got to make sure that you have all of your information and all of your structures and particularly your argument in place. So Bully Downer, I think, in a way, in terms of just looking at his track record and looking at the fact that he's had a successful track record, as you pointed out, uh, is part of that team. And I'm, I'm not sure if I, stood, I stand corrected, but they, uh, I don't know who the lead prosecutor is on the team, if it's Bully Downer, if he's leading the, the prosecution team, whatever. But in terms of, 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 of the, the, the argument or the point you make of, of KZN and, and getting someone from KZN, etc., I think this is something that we need to just be careful of in trying to create those kinds of schisms. Uh, perhaps this, is, was, this was not the reason. Perhaps the reason was to look at who was the best in the, in, 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 in the MPA stable right now, who can fight this case, who could give us good grounding, etc., because of the way in which this case is going to have very, very important political implications uh, and, and, and legal precedent. And that perhaps is how they carried it out. But there is the question around the fact that Billy Downer 
at one point, if I remember correctly, there were tensions around him within the NPA as well. And there were actually certain rumors circulating about whether he'll make he'll make the team. Mm. Now, Sanusha, unfortunately, we have run out of time. I would have loved to go on on this, um, but it is a story. It is a developing story that, as you mentioned, the whole world is watching. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll leave it there for now. Thank you very much. That was Sanusha Naidu, political analyst from the Institute for Global Dialogue, joining us on the line. Rest in peace, Mama Winnie Matikizela Mandela. Your contribution to our freedom will always be remembered. Rest in peace, Mother of the Nation. The African Union Commission has visited the South African Embassy in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, to express its condolences to South Africa and the family of Mama Winnie Matigizela Mandel following her death. Koleta Wanjohi reports from Addis Ababa. Humble, selfless, great. These are just some of the many words used to describe Winnie Madikizela Mandela by African Union officials when they paid their respects in Addis Ababa. The team was led by female African ambassadors. Naimi Hamza Aziz is the ambassador of Tanzania to Ethiopia. All of Africa rejoices. Even today, people were singing. Uh, they were singing and they were happy, uh, you know, and, and you know, remembering everything that she's done. So we loved her and uh, we'll always remember her. Susan Sikaneta is the ambassador of Zambia to Ethiopia. All generations to come will know that they have survived and they can look forward to a good future when they read her history and whatever she did. It's inspiring. All who spoke referred to Winnie as Mama, an expression of respect. Bineta Diop is the AU Special Representative for Women in Peace. She paved the way and we need to recognize that. So her effort will not be in vain. You know, Winnie, all of us admire her. Uh, for her beauty, her grace, and African women. But in the meantime, with her brain and also kindness. Kwesi Kwati, the deputy chairperson of the African Union Commission, recalled when Mama Winnie visited Ghana. She visited Ghana and she said something which was significant. She said she had come to Accra to tell Kwame Nkrumah's people that the last state to be free in Africa was finally free. Since then, she has received several awards. Her children have glorified, her grandchildren have glorified her name. And we in the African Union feel very privileged to be associated with her. In 2017, the African Union awarded Winnie Mandela a lifetime achievement for her role in fighting apartheid and empowering women. Dumiso Nshinga is the South African ambassador to Ethiopia. Mamouini was, uh, was bigger than South Africa, you know. That's one thing that people will always have to remember, that she was bigger than South Africa. Mamouini represented a struggle against any form of injustice. As I said before, that any form of injustice, whether it's a gender-based injustice, whether it's a racial-based injustice, whether it's a class-based injustice and all that. Mahawa Kabawila is the African Union Commission Director for Women Affairs. As part of the younger generation, we are deeply inspired by the work she did, by her resilience, her commitment and love for Africa. The African Union promises to keep her legacy alive.
The congregation has not only appreciated Mama Winnie Mandela's leadership qualities, but also put her up as an icon of resilience. Many here at the African Union say the African continent needs to adopt that resilience to cope with the many challenges it faces. Koletanjohi in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Our headlines up next with Anne Musa. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musan. The headlines, the United Nations Security Council condemns the latest attack on UN peacekeepers in Mali in which two soldiers were killed and 10 others wounded by mortar fire on their camp. Former South African President Jacob Zuma to appear in the High Court in Durban in KwaZulu-Natal province this morning. And Sudanese authorities have reportedly leveled charges that could be punishable by death against a prominent opposition figure. Those are the stories making headlines. This is indeed a joyous night. We are delighted by the overwhelming support for the African National Congress. To the people of South Africa and the world, this is indeed a joyous night for the human spirit. Your help and apathy. This year, 2018, marks a hundred years since the birth of South Africa's first democratically elected president. Nelson Kholihlahla Mandela. Join Channel Africa, South Africa's international public service radio station, as we celebrate a centenary of the life and times of Madiba. Join us in a year-long broadcast campaign in honor of Nelson Mandela's legacy through a variety of informative radio programs. Channel Africa, celebrating 100 years of Nelson Mandela from an African perspective. Throngs of people continue to visit the home of the late anti-apartheid struggle icon Mamawini Matigizela Mandela in Soweto, south of Johannesburg. Her death on Monday saw political leaders, prominent business personalities and members of the clergy converging at her home to offer condolences. The country is marking 10 days of mourning for the struggle icon with events planned across the country and in many parts of the world. Tsepoy Ganeng reports. Chants of liberation struggle songs reverberate outside the homesteads of Winnie Madigizela Mandela across the night, a tribute to one of the fairy freedom fighters, a famous face of the anti-apartheid resistance movement. Her death has brought together political rivals and fellow comrades who used to despise her militancy during the 80s at the height of the anti-apartheid struggle. But for most of the Soweto residents, Winnie, as she was affectionately known, her role in the liberation struggle will remain ingrained in their minds. 
Uh, my message was that Umama has taught us that our leader's place should be amongst our people in the community. Because Umama never moved out of Soweto. She lived with her neighbors. She was amongst people. For, uh, my message is that Mama taught us so many things. Grew up in ANC and my parents also were in ANC. I learned a lot. I can go and face a man and let the man know what I think in my head because of Mama. My message is I will say rest in peace Mama. You have taught us a lot of things. This is how the ANC Houting acting chairperson David Makura has described the character of a woman many refer to as the mother of the nation. The life that Mama Winnie lived is a, is a practical demonstration of commitment to service uh, and commitment to bring communities together. She lived uh, a life that uh, sought to build bridges. There is no community in Gauteng that she has not been able to go into uh, when there is a problem and help comfort people. She was a great comforter. She was extremely compassionate, but she was tough as well. When it needed a fight, she could stand up and fight. During her lifetime, Winnie has earned respect for, amongst others, being able to embrace other divergent political ideologies which often clash with those of the ANC. The president of the left-leaning Azanian People's Organization, Azapo, strike to Kohane has lauded Madikizela Mandela's forthrightness and advocating for pro-poor socio-economic policies. Fortunately, we have shared the trenches with her. We have worked with her throughout the struggle. We have got no problem in, in regards to her role in the struggle. And when one of these kind of people go, um, it becomes very sad and regrettable because uh, we think our struggle still has to continue. I think she has always been spot on in terms of people who are in the leadership of the country who are actually selling out. She has said, said it openly that there are people who are actually selling out on the country. She was concerned with the youth. She was concerned with the ordinary person, the ordinary man in the street, in the shacks and everywhere else. And this is where we find common ground with her. That's why we say we can't fault her on the role that she played and she died playing in the struggle. The pastor of the Rima Bible Church, Rima Colley, has described Winnie as a courageous freedom fighter. She was a wonderful woman of courage and encouragement. And I think all of us could say that at times when we were going through tough times, she encouraged us. But you know, it's uh, wonderful to see all the church leadership together here in one accord here to, to, to just encourage the family and we know that the legacy will continue. Presidential spokesperson Kusela Digo had in the meantime conveyed government's appreciation of messages of condolences from at home and abroad. Mama Mandela was loved uh, not only in South Africa but throughout the world and uh, the, the, the support that has come uh, from people all over the globe, um, you know, from people all over the continent who some of them would have worked with Umama during uh, at the times of struggle and also during the democratic dispensation. President has said that this is befitting a, a leader of her stature. This is befitting a hero and our struggle and the struggle of our stalwart who gave of her life uh, for the liberation of the South African people. The morning and commemoration of Winnie's legacy will continue throughout the weekend, culminating in the burial of her mortal remains next week Saturday. Tsepo in Soweto, south of Johannesburg. 
My life was always determined by the political situation of the time. I led a day-to-day existence which was determined by the security ground of the day. I was in and out of prison almost every month, if not every week. And the consequence of that was the children were always left alone. Those were perhaps the cruelest moments which have left an indelible mark in my heart. Mother of the nation See her love light shine Russia has warned the United Kingdom that it is playing with fire and will be sorry over allegations Moscow was responsible for a nerve agent attack on British soil. In a heated Security Council meeting, Russia's envoy referred to the claims as the theatre of the absurd and questioned why the British couldn't concoct a better fake story. But the UK ambassador stood firm, explaining why they had concluded Russia responsibility in the attack on a former Russian spy and his daughter in Salisbury on March the 4th. Show and Bryce Peace reports. Russia questioned the timing of the attack eight years after the victim, a former Russian spy, Sergei Skripal, was released in a spy swap with Britain and weeks before the Russian presidential election and the upcoming Soccer World Cup. Listen to Ambassador Vasily Nabenzia. We have told our British colleagues that you're playing with fire and you'll be sorry because it's one thing to put forward unsubstantiated accusations and it's quite different to start speaking using professional terms which requires not, which means not simply who will, who will speak uh, loudest in diplomacy but it requires clear answers to, uh, to very uh, specific, substantial questions. This was political or diplomatic theatre at its best. No real outcome was expected, except the trading of barbs by those who support the British position, those who don't, and those who don't necessarily want to pick a side as yet. The Organisation for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons in The Hague is conducting an independent probe into the origins of the nerve agent used in the attack and that report will inform next steps the Council might or might not take given Russia's veto power. Ambassador Nemenzia accused the British of tactics similar to that of Adolf Hitler's propaganda chief. This is all using uh, the method of Dr. Goebbels. Lies that are repeated a thousand times become the truth. We will demand answers from you to the questions we have put. And if you don't provide answers, if you, if you, uh, if you don't agree to answers, we will, uh, we will then consider this as evidence of slander which you have uh, 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 used against us. We will uh, seek to uh, uh, obtain fully-fledged cooperation from you regarding the case of the script policy. If you refuse, we will consider this as an attempt to conceal the truth. The UK's ambassador, Karen Pierce, responded by saying 
she'd stick to the facts. The second reason that helped us come to our conclusion was the knowledge that Russia has produced this nerve agent within the 10 years and remains capable of doing so. And as the Prime Minister made clear in the British Parliament, we know that the Russian state has investigated ways of assassination through the use of nurse agents. The third reason is Russia's record of conducting state-sponsored assassinations. And I don't want to detain the Council, Mr President, by going through a long list, but I can provide examples if anyone would like to hear them. She also clarified their conclusion that the Russian state was highly likely the guilty party. We use this phrase because under the British system, only a court can finally determine culpability. So the use of the phrase highly likely is a reflection of our judicial process and should not be construed as casting doubt whatsoever on the likelihood of Russia being responsible. She warned that Russia was playing fast and loose with the collective security of the international community, particularly as it relates to the use of weapons of mass destruction, referencing Moscow's protection of Syria's government as it relates to independent conclusions of its chemical weapons use in the ongoing civil war there. I'm Sherman Bricepees in New York. Abari, etise. Mache, mingabo, baoni, kedu, mbote, ndemne, bonsoir. Join me, Richard Mwamba, for a music show on Channel Africa called Africa in Song every Saturday and Sunday from 18 to 20 hours Central African time. Africa in Song, Saturday and Sunday from 18 to 20 hours Central African time. Our economics update up next with Tabiso Luhoko. Good morning. Kenya is to set up a mortgage refinancing company to help meet the government's aim of providing 500,000 houses in five years, as well as make it easier for banks to access long-term finance for home loans. The East African country has an estimated 200,000 annual housing shortfall, which is expected to rise to 300,000 by 2020. President Uhuru Kenyatta has said provision of affordable housing was one of his four key priority areas in his second term. The East Africa Community Directorate of Customs has urged more private companies to, in the region to join the Authorized Economic Operator AEO program to take advantage of the benefits. The program was rolled out in 2015 to promote the regulatory compliance, enhance the trade facilitation and improve border security. So far, 73 companies are AEO accredited from 13 in 2015. 
Critics of the renewable energy agreement that was signed by South Africa's Minister of Energy, Jeff Khatebe, says the deal is an insult to the working class and the poor. Among them is the National Union of Metal Workers of South Africa and the lobby group Transform RSA, who some two weeks ago sought a court interdict to block the signing of the contracts. Chairperson of the South African Renewable Energy Council, Terence Gavender. The Department of Energy has what is called the Integrated Resource Plan. The IRP actually gives uh, the energy plan for the country over a 20 and 30 year window period. In this plan, government decides how much of renewables, how much of coal, how much of gas, and how much of other sort of generation options must be included in the mix. The Botswana Power Corporation says it has increased electricity tariffs by 10% as the loss-making utility tries to recover costs. BPC has made operating losses for years due to high import costs, non-performing assets and operational inefficiencies. That has made the company reliant on government subsidies to stay afloat but is now slashing costs as part of a turnaround plan. The 10% adjustment will apply to all consumers' categories and was effective from April the 1st. The Bankers Association of Lesotho says that its members will launch a special savings account for low-income earners in the second quarter of this year. The Batupele account, as it is known, will be available at Standard Lesotho Bank, NetBank Lesotho, Lesotho Post Bank and FNB Lesotho. We are the only members of the Bankers Association of Lesotho. Batupele is aimed at demonstrating that banks are committed to financial inclusion. The account will be for basic banking transactions like savings, withdrawal and deposits. The account does not have other services like loans overdraft and online banking and banks will not charge clients to open or maintain the Batupele account. How would our lives be, Lulu? If Eva accounts didn't have options like overdrafts as well as online banking and other loans. Financial indicators at the hour. The US dollar trades at 11.92 to the South African Rand. It's at 9.43 in Botswana and at 9.32 in Zambia. 7.1 pence to the British pound, 8.1 cents to the euro. Gold 1,000, $3,233. Platinum $906 an ounce. So the price of brand crude oil is at $68.35 cents. A barrel. Channel Africa. Our sports update up next with Fili Lingwati. In our sports update, we begin with rugby news. The Springbok Women's Sevens team outplayed Wales 26-0 in the quarterfinals of the ongoing HSBC World Rugby Women's Sevens Series qualifier to advance to the final four where they will meet Kenya. South Africa made a strong start in the opening seven minutes and scored two good tries to hold a 14-0 lead at the break. First, 
Marithi Binar ran strongly to score before a solid run by Zintlem Pupa resulted in Binar handing Nadine Rose the final pass to score. Zine Jordan converted both tries. The second half saw more South African attacks forcing Wales to make mistakes and conceding a yellow card. This allowed Zine Jordan to dive over in the corner. Ferushka Grain then sealed the deal with a strong surge down the middle of the field with Chain Steindler converting for a solid 26-0 win. And in the athletics in Gold Coast, the decision by Nigeria sprint queen and lone medal hopeful at the ongoing Commonwealth Games in Gold Coast, Australia, blessing Ogagbare not to compete in the usual 100-meter and 200-meter is not going down well with some top officials of the sports ministry. Our Nigerian correspondent in Australia, Tony Ubani, reports. Bless Ogagbare recently smashed the 200-meter African record formerly held by Mary Onyale, you know, in a, in a Texas meet out there in the USA, and thereby increasing the hopes that Team Nigeria were going to mine a lot of gold here. But surprisingly, yesterday, the sports minister was briefed that uh, Blessing Okabare would not be running in the 100 meters and 200 meters, and the minister was very, very outraged. And so also was the president of the Nigeria Olympic Committee Engineer Abu Gumel. The two of them immediately ordered the uh, presence of uh, the president of the Athletics Federation of Nigeria, Ibrahim Sheguzo, who did explain that uh, Blessing Okabare said that she was not taken care of when she got injured in a London uh, World Cup in uh, 2017. She, uh, she said, according to Guzo, that uh, she was left alone by Team Nigeria and nobody cared about her. And when she got herself and got her reading back, she refused to run and entered into the 100 meters women relay. South Africa's Chadley Claw will swim in two finals today, the Commonwealth Games. First up, the 50-meter butterfly, and then the 200-meter freestyle, although he still has the small matter of qualifying for that final in the earlier morning session. Leclerc will have benefited from the quali- disqualification rather, of England's 2014 Commonwealth Games gold medalist Ben Proud in the morning's 50-meter butterfly heats on Thursday. Proud controlled the heat to beat Leclerc to the wall. The South African comfortably second best in 23.94 seconds before the screens at the opening air. Aquatic Complex showed a big disqualification next to his name. Meanwhile, on the first day of swimming finals, which saw the first world record of the Games produced when Australia's 4 by 100 meter freestyle women came home to the roar of the patriotic home crowd. South Africa's Tatiana Schoonmaker booked her place in the final of the women's 50 meter breaststroke, although her evening swim was a little off her African record of 30.92 seconds set in the morning. Finally, Golf News, Tiger Woods felt the love, but it was Jordan Spieth who heard the roars as he surged through a two-stroke lead in the Masters with a scintillating six-under par 66. Woods was back at Augusta National for the first time in three years, finally ready to challenge for a fifth green jacket after spinal fusion surgery last year. From the practice range to the 18th green, Augusta fans made him more than welcome, although his one over par 73 gave them few real opportunities to cheer. Spieth rolled in a 14-foot eagle at the 8th, and two parted from 40 feet for a birdie at 13. That's your sport news this hour.
Africa rise and shine Africa zola Africa amka na unai Recapping our top stories in Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, South Africa's former President Jacob Zuma to appear in court on corruption charges, concerns over human rights abuses on tobacco farms in Zimbabwe, and Russia issues a new threat to UK over poisoning of its former spy. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine at this hour and for the week. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producers Pumuzo Ramagadza and Jane Rabutata, technical producer Mario Edwards and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info at channelafrica.co.za or tweet us at Rise Shine Africa or at Channel Africa 1. You can also send an SMS on 277 969 or WhatsApp on 277-6300-3327. Are taking us to the top of the hour for the news on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa is DDM featuring Vimbai the Poet with a song titled Winnie Mandel. I work, I wait, a woman, a woman with hope, a woman with love, a woman who sees. Ah, Nobody.